Welcome to the How to Find and Keep a Gay Man podcast. I'm Matt Bays, your host, with Matt Heinker, your co-host. And we're here to provide bitchy wisdom for the gay man looking for love. There are a lot of gay men out there looking for a meaningful love experience, and we are here to help. You can follow How to Find and Keep a Gay Man on Instagram and TikTok, where you'll find all sorts of bitchy wisdom about what it's going to take to find and keep a gay man. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Well, it's a wrap on the big music video. It happened. The grand event last week. It was so exciting to be there. It was. It was a lot of work and a lot of fun. And I felt like I didn't know exactly what I was doing at times because I've never done it before. And so luckily I had uh, Blair St. Clair there, Drew Bryson, to help walk me through it and make suggestions and tell me, don't walk like that. It looks terrible. (laughs) <laughs> soften the hands darling i thought she was a peach i i was gagged to meet her and talk to her for a little bit so yeah, yeah i'm excited really to see the was. finished product me too me too should have something soon and then uh we should be on schedule to come out probably midway through through pride so i'm excited our listeners are going to be shocked to see what a stunning woman you are <laughs> i'm still getting over it I was pretty cute. You were very cute. It I almost was... passed. You're super tall. Otherwise, uh... <laughs> <laughs> there were a few times though where I got real close to the mirror and I was like, "Oh, hi, mama." <laughs> Dude, that's funny. That's what Ty said. Ty goes, "That looked like his mom." Totally. Like, he got that instantly took me there. Oh my god. We're proud well, of you. Was... That's amazing. Thank you. It was fun. It was a huge endeavor. It felt like a risk. And, you know, there's something about the creative process where you let yourself do new things, even if they really stretch you. Yeah. What well, was awesome. Anyway, well, what's up in your neck of the woods this week? Busy, busy, busy. I know I always say that, but had a beautiful weekend, gorgeous weather. Olivia and I went thrift shopping. We found a vintage dresser and painted it together, had a little moment. At soccer games, Ty took the boys to an Indians game Saturday. I mean, it was just a big weekend. Yeah, I saw there. a couple of the pictures with the three boys yeah. together. Yeah. yeah, it was never a dull moment around here, but we're we're doing well. They're just all different ages and so fun and good. <laughs> you know what? For I don't know how people would have a house as calm as ours with that many kids. We we're on a good program and they get along well and it's it's quite a life. Yeah, <laughs> good kitties. All right, so today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Yes, forgiveness. And it's funny that we landed on this topic. I mean, this is very timely for me um, uh, with some really rough things that I've been through with my family just in the last couple of weeks. You know, we started way at the beginning of this podcast with what is holding you back? And we had kind of an overarching theme of you having to do your work in general to be able mm-hmm. to be healthy enough to be with your man. But I think as we dissect the pieces of what is holding you back, this is a pretty big piece of the pie. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to unpack this with you. It's a complex topic. There's a lot to talk about, but we're going to do our best to cover some meaningful points. And hang with us because toward the end of this, and this is something I haven't even talked to you about yet, Matt, but I want to present a little bit of an alternative or maybe a re-understanding of forgiveness. 
sure. uh, that I've been carrying around for a few years after I had a conversation with a really, really wonderful, very healthy, emotionally uh, friend of mine. So for people who think that this might be just a regular all talk on forgiveness, you know, there's more here. There you is. and I have had to, I think, work really hard in some ways of this because of being a part of the LGBT community, number one. Yep. Uh, which our listeners are, and then also, at least from my side, and some from your side too, just what my childhood looked like and has required some mm. deeper work uh, and for Absolutely. me to be able to be a healthy human being. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know and, me, and even forgiveness, forgiveness was a part of that. Yeah, for sure. Forgiveness is, it continues, as I sit here today, to be a crucial part of my journey. And I'm still, it's been really life-giving for me to research this, um, and prepare for today. But you know me, I got to start off with a broad stroke, even with something as abstract as forgiveness. Where are we at as a community? What are some stats attached to that? Why are we having this discussion? So I found some pretty interesting things. So the Fetzer Institute did a survey of love and forgiveness in American society study and came off with some pretty interesting stats attached to the results of that. So first of all, they say there are over 300 million Google searches each year in the U.S. on forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So this is a topic that is a top of mind for all of us, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and 62% of Americans reported they strongly agree that they need more forgiveness in their personal lives. Okay. Interesting. And then additionally, 9 out of 10 Americans agree that the world is too divided and separated and that we need more meaningful love and empathy towards one another. So we are broken people, especially in our community, the things that you go through um, just as a natural byproduct of being a part of the LGBTQ plus community and growing up in it, it requires us to do deep work in this. And it's a topic that we're all thinking of. And this study says everyone needs forgiveness. Mayo Clinic says forgiveness means different things to different people. Generally, however, it involves a decision to let go of resentment and thoughts of revenge. So, you know, forgiveness is really first and foremost a decision before we feel like doing it or before it may even feel like correct or or appropriate for our own sakes. We make a decision to forgive. Thoughts on that? I want to find a definition if I don't know if you have one written down, but I have one that I remember hearing years ago and I looked it back up. It's Oprah's definition of oh, forgiveness. That'll be a good one. Let's hear it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Here's what she says. She defines forgiveness as giving up the hope that the past could be any different. Oh, love that. And goes on to say, we think that forgiving means accepting what has happened to you, but it's actually accepting that it has happened to you. Exactly. Not accepting that it was okay for it to happen, but mm -hmm. that it has happened. And those are two different things. So mm -hmm. I used to say, Matt, I'm glad for what happened to me. I would say this in a therapeutic setting. I'm glad for what happened to me uh, because it made me stronger, which I had said that to several different therapists. And then one called me on it and basically said, it's bullshit. It's not okay to be glad for what happened to you. Uh, we should never be glad that awful or abusive things have happened to us. Accepting that they have happened is altogether different than being glad for them. For sure. I totally agree with that. Yeah. 
So along those lines, uh, Greater Good Magazine, Science-Based Insights for a Meaningful Life. Robert Enright is a psychologist who wrote, forgiveness is about goodness. It's about extending mercy to those who've harmed us, even if they don't deserve it. It's not, to your point, finding excuses for the offending a person's behavior or pretending that it didn't happen. It's not minimizing the pain that it caused us. It's just releasing ourselves from the energy of the offense and the power that it has over us mentally and emotionally. We acknowledge it and grieve through the pain of what that experience did in our lives. But we are releasing ourselves from the energy by that forgiveness. For me personally, that is a really, really critical part of the process. You know, I've talked been really open on this podcast about how, you know, large, you know, chunks of my family, uh, this me beginning engaged and getting married kind of revealed where a lot of them really were um, in regards to their support of same sex marriage or even me as a person. And and uh, just turns out there's big chunks of them that are just gone now. And probably the the cherry on top is that my own brother made a decision in the last few weeks that he does not want to be in a relationship with me and that my husband Ty and I are not allowed around his kids until they're of a certain age. So um, really, really painful judgment, you know, in that decision, ultimately, um, that really ate my lunch for for days. I'm still, as I sit here, pretty raw and still processing it, still in therapy and learning to love myself through it, but also learning to forgive him. You know, for someone to make a decision that I am not fit to be around their children or to be in relationship with them, especially a family member, a close family member, mm-hmm. um, that's a really deep wound and it's not okay. But I am not going to sit and stew over the pain that that has caused me. I'm going to, you know, I'm still in the process of grieving that loss. Who knows what the future holds? But I'm also in the process of forgiving him and releasing the energy that that pain has on my life. So I can be whole and happy and continue to live mine. Do you know? Yes. And I want to, first of all, say I empathize deeply. I just care. I care that this has happened to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think anybody listening knows that it's wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not what should be happening. The other part of this, Matt, that I want to caution people to be careful of, because this is what I've discovered on down the road for myself, is a lot of people will view forgiveness as a religious construct. Mm -hmm. And toward that end, many people heard the messages growing up, be quick to forgive. Mm -hmm. And so we've done our best to rush in to forgiveness before Mm -hmm. we were ready. And then sometimes, and this happened for me with my big fat daddy wound, I kept trying to forgive. I kept praying to forgive. I kept Mm -hmm. opening my hands to release offering mercy. But what happened is I would realize within a few months, something would trigger Mm -hmm. that I still had this bitterness and resentment. I couldn't figure out why it wouldn't go away. And it was a process. This was a decade process for me to forgive the big stuff, really. I mean, it's one thing if a waiter's stupid to you or somebody calls you an asshole or, you know, that's easy Mm -hmm. stuff to forgive. But the big stuff that has transformed us is the stuff that takes more time. But I do remember somebody once saying to me, and when I heard it, it's one of those things that gets lodged and I've never forgotten it. She said, you know, I don't think you can really truly forgive someone until you figure out what it is they took from you. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Talk to me about that. Well, what that meant for me was figuring out 
a lot of things about my dad and the relationship and understanding what I didn't get. Sometimes we're just so quick to try to, I don't want the resentment. I don't want to hold on to this. I'm just going to mm -hmm. let it go rather than taking the time mm -hmm. to stop and really consider what this has done to me. And as you mentioned, the word grief, grieving mm -hmm. over what our losses. And then another part of that for me, Matt, has been seeking to understand those who have wronged us. There's a song by William Shatner called That's Me Trying. Have I shared that with you before? No. William so, Shatner song? Oh, God. Yeah. William Shatner has a, a CD. He has several, but one of them is called Has Been. Uh, and it's all fun and games and hilarious. And a friend of mine was like, you got to hear it, dude. This is crazy. And I was like, William Shatner, like, is this the band name? And he was like, oh, no, it's actually William <laughs> It's Shatner. actually him. Right. Mm. And so I had been trying to forgive my dad all this time. A CD was laid on my desk. I started listening through it. And he's right. I'm laughing. It's poetry. It's him speaking spoken word to music with really great artists. Well, midway okay. through it, there's a song called That's Me Trying. And it's with Ben Folds. Mm. And, you know, he talks a lot in the verses about, you know, he wants to get together with his daughters. He knows it's been a long time. He, you know, he doesn't want to talk about how he missed her high school graduation. Doesn't really want to know if he's got grandkids. I mean, basically, he sounds like an asshole, right? And then when it gets to the chorus, Ben Fold starts singing and he says, years of quiet, not enough. Who could blame us for giving up? Above the quiet, there's a buzz. That's me trying. And mm. you hear William Shatner toward the end of the song. He just keeps saying, it's like his higher consciousness just keeps saying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Mm. And for some reason in that moment, I had this image of my dad and I thought, if he could do it all over again, I don't think he would get it right. I don't know <laughs> that he would do any better at all, but I think he would want to. I love that. Yeah. And that for me, it was enough. Mm -hmm. It was enough to sort of realize this is a broken down man. Mm -hmm. And he arrived at being him in ways that I don't really understand. But this is who he is. And I think he did his best, not my best, yeah. not your best, mm -hmm. but I think he did his best. And for some reason, in that very moment, it went away for good. I still engaged with my dad for years to come. He mm -hmm. never made an amend. He never said, I'm sorry. And I watched him go and only felt hope for him and goodwill toward him. Now, we didn't have much of a relationship. So it's yeah. not like we had this beautiful, amazing relationship. We didn't. But yeah. the point is, I was not carrying around the resentment anymore. And that happened from William Shatner. <laughs> you just never know that. what God or the universe is going to use. Yeah. And that was a turning point that was permanent. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Permanent. permanent. Yeah. I've yeah. never heard that story. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think the point of that is you were able to reach a place of healing. So it didn't come out sideways in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's the important part. You know, um, your dad on paper didn't deserve to be forgiven, but yeah. it set you free to do that. Yeah. And that forgiveness really was about me. People say it's letting ourselves off the hook. And in some ways it's like, eh, it's not like I did something that I needed yeah. to 
let myself off the hook for it just means not carrying this around anymore, impacting my life. And like you said, coming out sideways. And I think that's something that we need to emphasize because I think that the perception is that people think that forgiveness is letting other people off the hook or saying that what happened was okay. It's first and foremost, solely for us. Like you forgave your dad first for yourself. Yeah. So you are caring for yourself by doing that. And I think that that's something that we have to be really aware of, especially really deep hurt, life-changing hurt like that. Yeah. And beyond that, why there was so much research on how it affects your health. John Hopkins, medicine.com says that whether it's a simple spat or a long held resentment towards a family member, friend, or, or lover, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize it can be seriously affecting your physical health. So there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, says Karen Schwartz, a doctor at, at the clinic of Johns Hopkins, John Hopkins Hospital. Chronic anger, so you know, deep-seated, always there anger, puts you into fight-or-flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune responses. These changes increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, and many other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels down and leads to improved health. And there was all kinds of studies in this that talked about the amount of cortisol, which is the stress hormone that exists within your body. If you live with high levels of it, you're at risk for disease, but you also are not going to age well. Talked about how people age poorly when they're carrying high levels of cortisol. So, you know, your physiological response to holding on to anger is mm -hmm. very bad. So again, as we forgive, it's first for ourselves, it's for our mental and physical health. It's, and that's a really, really big part of this process as we live lives trying to be whole people so we can show up you know, for and keep our gay man. Yeah. Hmm. I want to speak to people who just forge ahead. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to get into it. It's over. It's in the past. I'm moving forward. I'm looking ahead. This is not impacting my life any longer. I'm just not going to think about it. Yeah, <laughs> I hear that a lot. Doesn't do any good to think about it or talk about it. And as we've mentioned, as we always say, it comes out sideways. Mm -hmm. And it does. I mean, I mm -hmm. sat in doctor's office with panic attacks telling them, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> like, okay. Your body might be saying something else. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, But I thought about, there's this quote by, do you know who Samuel Pissar is? I've had this quote in my phone for years. Uh, because I had to do so much work around this issue. I'm just going to be honest. Like I could talk about this for days, but he's a, a Holocaust survivor. And yeah. one of his quotes that I held on to is, uh, we may not live in the past, but the past lives in us, bitch. Yes. I mean, for mm -hmm. real, you yeah. may not live in the past, but the past lives in you. And yeah. that shit has to be re-understood. Mm-hmm. We go mm -hmm. back because so much of it that happened to us, especially in our families of origin, if there was abuse, addiction, is stuff that we saw as a child. And we saw it through a child's eyes and understanding. So to go back and to mm. look at that through the lens as an adult is going to reveal all of this story in a different way. For sure. Not only us and what we see about us, but also what we see about our perpetrators. Absolutely. So we have to sift. We go back and we sift. We pick up those pieces. We examine them. We look at them mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And we realize that there's lies that we believed about some of those things mm -hmm. that we held on to as an eight-year-old child. And it's still impacting us at 45. This and is unless, why we talk about doing the work. 
Exactly. And this, get a damn therapist. You've got to unpack this with someone that is able to provide a different perspective and guide you down the road where you're able to, to your point, look at it through different eyes. You, you know, no longer from an eight-year-old's perspective. I love that. And also to really fully acknowledge and unpack all that happened, because if you don't allow yourself to experience it and process it, you can't heal from it. You know, it's very hard to do all of that by yourself. And so, you know, that further solidifies our messaging around just getting mental health help, especially if you've got, you know, severe trauma around some of these, you know, areas that need to be forgiven, these people attached to them. Mm -hmm. And this same study addressed people that had gone through pretty extensive work in therapy to reach really deep levels of forgiveness around their trauma. And this control group had really strong data around significantly improved mental health, healthier relationships, interpersonally, much lower levels of stress, anxiety, and negative emotions attached to these traumas, drastically reduced blood pressure, fewer issues with depression or ease of symptoms with anybody that struggled with that, mm-hmm. and better heart health. And the last two, the study unpacked the huge improvements with these people's own self-esteem. So a lot of people reported that they had feelings of control or an an empowerment over their own life. Um, It said forgiveness matters and makes a difference in the quality of our lives. It's not Mm -hmm. just something nice we do to keep the peace. Forgiveness truly is a life-giving force that we enjoy ourselves when we do our work to walk through it. And I love that. It's really, really deep self-care. And to your point, sometimes in this process, depending on what has happened to you, can take a long time. And you've got to come, return back. You said, examine the pieces over and over again. You really have to do that until you can move through, you know, processing it and and coming out the other side. Yeah. And everyone's process is going to look a little bit different. This isn't assembly line type work, right? Exactly. Where you get all the same parts and then you have to make forgiveness out of it. You never know how it's going to come to you. And so that's why it's important to see a therapist and read books and have conversations with people. And you never know what's going to help you get it. I sat in a church where people told me to pray harder and pray this way and pray that way and all of this. And I, you know, I don't do much of basing my whole life off of the Bible anymore. I just don't. But there is this one scripture that I always love that said, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wisdom of men. Mm -hmm. And I thought, all of the shit that you've told me, read the Bible, pray, talk to these spiritual leaders or whatever. And guess who showed up for me? William Shatner. <laughs> so keep your mind open. If you're seeking, it yeah. will find you. And it may not yeah. show up exactly like you thought it would, but that yeah. song will forever be my number one favorite song because I cannot tell you how long and hard I had waited and prepared myself for that moment. And for then sure. when it arrived, That's important. Mm-hmm. it all you were made ready. sense to me. Mm-hmm. Nobody could talk me out. So when people are like, but he didn't do his best. I'm like, oh yeah, this is not something that you can take from me or even really mm-hmm. have me question because I know something that I spent a decade seeking. And mm-hmm. when it took root, it was so deep within me that it was just gone. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I hope for that for myself. I think, as I sit here today, and I, I don't mean to dwell on this, you know, even as I sit here now, but the amount of pain that I have processed uh, the past few months from some of the people that are closest to me, you know, around my marriage and moving, you know, this really pivotal turning point in my life. I don't really have words. I haven't hurt this bad in years. And I, I wonder, as I sit here, 
how long that process is going to be for me to be completely free of it. But I tell you what, I will not stop doing the work until I am because I want to be peaceful and whole. And I also don't want hurt and pain to affect this beautiful relationship that I have with my husband. So I recognize as we're even discussing all of this, that I am on that journey as I sit here. And I think that it's really important that we don't rush that and mm-hmm. and really allow yourself to go through it. And it's not always about an arrival. This is a this yeah. is a journey rather For sure. than that destination. And so as long as you're on that path and seeking that, we can be okay now. And these little things can fall away. And then maybe one day you wake up, it may not be this grand aha moment. It might sure. be one day that you just wake up and you realize, oh, that's not really there anymore. Absolutely. This isn't defining anything in my behavior anymore. Yeah. And, and we say, how do we go through this process? We'll get a damn therapist. We're always going to say that. But Harvard School of Medicine um, did a study on the power of forgiveness in February of 21, which I thought was interesting. And they've got a few nuggets that I thought were cool. They, they first of all say that there are two sides to forgiveness, decisional and emotional. So decisional, like I said, it's a it's a choice that we make. Decisional forgiveness involves a conscious choice to replace ill will with goodwill. You no longer wish bad things on that individual. And this is often kind of step one and the quicker and easier thing to do. But then it goes on to say emotional forgiveness. You move away from those negative feelings and no longer dwell on the wrongdoing. Says emotional forgiveness is much harder and takes longer as it's common for those feelings to run on a regular basis. This often happens when you think about the offender or something triggers the memory where you're you're still very much suffering from adverse consequences of the action that was done. Mm -hmm. You know, you process what happened to you, but not wallowing in the hurt anymore and not wishing ill on that person. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It does. I I like that it breaks it up into two, you know, that one is wishing ill on the person. I've just never been that person before where I'm wishing ill on somebody, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but I hear it. I hear people say things like, oh, that I just wish that person would burn in hell or wait (laughs) till they see what's, what's coming for them. You said, I've just never been that person. And I think there are a lot of people that are going to relate to that. I have been that person. I think we need, I need to say that you find joy in life and you are really good at finding the silver lining. It's one of the things I love most about you, frankly, but I fantasize about beating the person up. And so I really ruminate on that revenge piece and it eats my lunch if I'm not moving to better space to get through that. And I know that, you know, that's, that is a really important part of healing is not dwelling on those things anymore because it only hurts us. Yeah. That's cortisol flowing in our veins. But anyway, yes. Yeah. And that's good. And listen, you had me when you said you don't age well. (laughs) <laughs> right if for no other reason i'm gonna need to be cute when i'm older so Honey, where do i sign <laughs> um i'm gonna tell you what my friend said yeah. because this feels like a, a right time to say it she maintains that forgiveness is not the only way we always talk about it as if it's the only way and if it is a religious construct there has to be another way and she spoke her name's Kristen. And so I was listening because she's done so much work on herself. And when she speaks, I can hear emotional health in her. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm asking questions like, what does that look like? I thought it was the only way. And she said, I don't know if without contrition, if it's possible to forgive somebody, if they're not asking for it. And there's some Mm. stuff around there you could argue with or whatever. But she says there are other pathways to finding 
that kind of peace. I'm not actively hating on my abuser. So she was saying, I'm not living in the mires of my abuse. I'm really not. Sure. But the idea of forgiveness never felt right to me. She says, we always talk about it as if it's the only option to have peace. And that's not true. There are other ways to get past your pain than forgiveness. Because for some of us, forgiveness just doesn't feel right. I don't really like that. Okay. Okay. And she says, my biggest problem with forgiveness is people saying, if you don't, you're punishing yourself. So some of this could be argued as if you have forgiven him. We could. You know, but she's like, oh, no, I did not offer any gift of forgiveness to him. I just didn't. She said, but I can also tell you, I never think about him. And I never really think about what happened every once in a while. There's a trigger. But I don't live my life out of an angry response to what happened. I acknowledge what happened. I've worked through it. It just didn't have this forgiveness thing to it. So I have let him go. Hmm. And I don't even think about him anymore. And I don't think angrily toward him. My response to that, honestly, is I think that we all have different gifts. And some of us, our higher selves show up more often than the darker self. And Mm -hmm. there's some people that have really, really high degrees of emotional intelligence. And maybe that's her. I think most people need to go through the psychological gymnastics of forgiving so they're completely released from it. Most people don't have the tools to let it flow down the river completely unless they've made that decision. But she might be an exception, you know? Well, she might be. And I mean, I do think that the word forgiveness does give us handlebars. And I do like that. And she said, oh my God, if that's somebody's path, forgiveness, and that's what works for them, wonderful. You know, but she said, I felt very stuck by that word. And thought it meant that I couldn't have peace if I didn't figure that out. And I was able to just let it all go anyway and still have a life that is peaceful. Is there anything still in that bucket? I think I just wanted to add in there the main main reason that we are forgiving, I think, is so that we're not held hostage to the past. I love that. We're going to forgive so we are not held hostage to the past. I love that. I'm not living in the past anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm not living from that place of brokenness any longer. No, that little boy did his best. He actually did really good and survived what he survived. But I have moved him from the driver's seat of my life. He's riding shotgun. (laughs) Yeah. And if he starts trying to give directions, then I'm gonna put him in the back seat. And if he can't shut his mouth, then I'm gonna put him in the trunk. He can come with me, but I'm driving. And I definitely want to talk about that a little bit more because I think the last section is on forgiving yourself. I've got some pretty specific things to say about that. But I think the last part of the how, you know, other than get a therapist, do you work to to process through your your grief and forgive? Harvard School of Medicine suggests what's called the REACH method. And I thought it was kind of interesting. REACH stands for recall, empathize, altruistic gift, commit, and hold. So recall is the first step. First step to recall is looking at the wrongdoing in an objective way. Mm-hmm. So the goal is not to think of the person in a negative light or to wallow in self-pity, but to come to a clear understanding of the wrong that was done to you. Visualize the person and situation and all of the feelings that came with it. Don't push it aside, especially if it makes you feel angry or upset. And really, really allow yourself to process and acknowledge what actually happened. 
So we talked about how if you let it flow down the river and don't think about it, the past is still living within you. You haven't done your work to first recall it and allow yourself to experience and really think about what it was that happened. I talked about the grieving process that I'm going through. I mean, the really intense pain that this wrongdoing has caused me. I've got to allow myself to feel it on my journey to peace. Second is empathize. Try to understand the other person's point of view regarding why he or she hurt you, but without minimizing or downplaying the wrong that was done to you. I think that's an important part. Sometimes the wrongdoing was not personal, but due to something the other person was dealing with. People who attack others are sometimes themselves in a state of fear, worry, and hurt. They often don't think when they hurt others, they just lash out. They're in some sort of fight or flight mode, or they don't have the tools to have done better in the moment. So you talked about the fact that your dad probably wouldn't have done it differently had he had a chance to do it over again. But you understanding that he was very limited and probably did his best, even though it wasn't good enough, or that he would have wanted to do it better, even Mm -hmm. if he couldn't. I love that. So that's you, first of all, recalling it and then empathizing with your abuser, um, understanding where he was coming from in that. Um, And I think that that part is probably a really hard one for most of us, um, because it does require you to get out of your own self and really critically think. It really can be difficult because for some people, people that were sexually abused, and it's like, you're asking me to empathize with that. This is why we do this with a therapist. Exactly. Because it's hard work. Yes, it is. And they are going to help us figure out what something like that actually looks like. Because what you don't want to say is, well, they were this, or well, they were abused. Anything, all of those words sound like we're minimizing because I think Mm -hmm. it's what we are doing. It's why we need to have a professional with us, helping us understand and call us on our bullshit when we say things like, oh, I'm actually glad that happened to me because it made me a stronger person today. Yeah, yeah. I just remember Doug looking at me across the table and he just went, no. And made this face like, boy, I just don't like that. (laughs) No, and I was like, what? Yeah. That is woke, baby. This is woke. Listen this to what is I'm my higher saying. self showing up, honey. Yeah. No. So altruistic gift. This is interesting. This step is about addressing your own shortcomings. This is another step of wokeness. Recall a time when you treated someone harshly and were forgiven. How did it make you feel to receive that forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Recognizing this helps you realize that forgiveness is an altruistic gift that you can give to others as you have received yourself at different points in your life. I really like that. All of us need it for things that we have done. Yeah. Somebody out there having a podcast about us right now, talking about all the bad shit we did to them. Oh my, I can't imagine. (laughs) Well, you know what I'm saying? It's easy sometimes for us to show up and be like, here's all the bad things that happened to me, but trust and believe I have hurt some people in my life. Yeah, absolutely. The C is commit. Commit yourself to forgive. For instance, write about your forgiveness in a journal or a letter that you don't send or tell a friend. This helps with the decisional side of forgiveness and gets this decision embedded into your mind so that you can commit to letting it go. And then hold the last H. Finally, hold on to your forgiveness. This step is tough because memories of that event will often reoccur. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is not erasure. Rather, it's about changing your reaction to these memories. When the bad feelings arise and you're triggered, remind yourself that you have forgiven and ultimately you want good for the offender. If needed, revisit your commitment by reading that journal or letter. Recall it in shared conversations with a friend. 
Forgiveness does not mean forgetting about what happened. It's you holding on to the decision that you made for your own benefit. Yeah. Okay. In that last part, I just want to say, because this might sound like forgiveness 101 or 201, but there are a lot of people that think forgiveness means that we have a continued relationship with this person. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. And it absolutely does not. Yes. You know, with one of my offenders, <laughs> this side of life, no, I was not mm -hmm. engaging him ever. If he wanted to get together and have a conversation and make amend, I would have said, no, you can yeah. make that amend from over there. What mm -hmm. happened is too convoluted and there were other people involved and I'm not mm -hmm. going to do that. There's no. And that means nothing about whether or not I've forgiven. Yes. I'm not going to live in community with this person any longer. I just can't do that. And it that's is you. fair and okay. It's more than fair and okay. It's you protecting yourself. It's you living in rivers of self-love. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness. Yeah. And I, that's one thing I wanted to say as well. Forgiveness does not mean now you have access to me or my life. You know, these family members, even my brother, if he was to ask for forgiveness in two years, he has shown himself to be an emotionally violent person. He's not safe. And in order to be in relationship with me again, for it to be appropriate for that to happen, he's going to have to show up as someone who is no longer unsafe. And I don't know what that process looks like. Mm -hmm. So that's complicated as well. Maybe there's a path there and I want to reach for it if it's possible. But for the foreseeable future, even with an apology, forgiveness does not mean access to my life. You've got to yeah. earn that back. And that is not me holding on to hurt or pain. That's me protecting myself and my husband and my family. And so yeah. I, I think that, you know, again, forgiveness, when you're doing all of this work, it really is mostly about caring for yourself and moving forward. But it also means protecting yourself yeah. from that happening again. You yeah. forgive, but we don't forget. I hate that yeah. phrase, forgive and forget. You should never forget. No, no, no. My friend Laura always says that, that love is unconditional. A relationship is not. Yeah. I really love that, that a relationship has consequences. It has checks and balances where love is unconditional. A relationship just isn't. And yeah. when I first heard that, I was like, yeah, that's great. That means that all is forgiven. Okay. But I'm not going to hop right back into something with you. That would just be irresponsible. Exactly. It's like, I need to take a minute to see if this is actual, if there's something different happening as we move forward, and then we can begin to build on that or not. Or not. When we're asking for somebody's forgiveness for something we've done, they can say, I forgive you, but I don't want to be in relationship with you. And mm -hmm. we have to accept that. That's fair. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And last but not least, forgiving yourself. We as gay men have really unique work to do in that area. And um, I know you mentioned that the eight-year-old you is riding shotgun. If he gets too loud, he's in the trunk. You know, he's no longer in control. I love that mm -hmm. analogy. Uh, a lot of the work that I've had in therapy is really going back to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old Matt and thinking of the really traumatic things that happened at different points and holding him and saying, you are whole, you are safe, I'm here you know, rescuing that younger version of myself and caring for him. The first time I heard about that in, in therapy, I thought it was kind of woo-woo and it was weird to me. But as I began a practice of doing that, it was really powerful for me to heal in those types of things. But um, I found <laughs> there is a podcast called Daddy Squared. It's actually a, a two gay men that have, they're married and they have kids together. And I was reading a bunch of their material over the weekend. It was interesting. 
and their host said, gay men specifically have work to do in forgiving ourselves. And what are some of these areas that seem to uh, show up in most of us? And he said, the list of top things I should forgive myself for. One, being a sissy or effeminate different boy. So he referenced how, you know, the Velvet Rage teaches you how shame is rooted within gay men. Mm-hmm. We grew up different. We grew up not accepted. And so, you know, because society really didn't endorse who we were and maybe where we grew up wasn't safe. We really hate ourselves for growing up sissy or effeminate. I specifically in first and second grade collected my little ponies. <laughs> yes. And are. I, my dad came to me when I was seven and he goes, these are too expensive. We can't buy these anymore. And I knew what that meant. And the shame from that moment, I don't know what it was. Lots of, really, I, I was physically abused. Much worse things happened to me later. But for whatever reason, I have had to do really hard work to forgive myself for being a sissy who collected My Little Ponies. Like that was yeah. one of my deepest wells of shame. Yeah. I remember my brothers playing with stormtroopers and Darth Vader action figures, all that shit. And I was inside painting by number. (laughs) And if I even saw at one of my friends' houses, like their sister had a Barbie head, you you know which one? Fashion Barbie. Oh, yeah. It was like from the neck up. It was, yeah, it had the makeup and the hair. I just, oh, (laughs) I... I was just like looking around, like, I'm just going to go over here for a minute. <laughs> Nobody look at me because I got to brush this hair. It's too good. It's I just want to brush it and put it in pigtails. I was so happy when I had girls because I was like, come here and let me braid that hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think I ever felt real bad about that. I good get it, though. I yeah. get it. Yeah. But yeah, we're all trying to forgive. One of the things that, well, you just recently saw it with my jean jacket. I was wearing a jean jacket and Mm -hmm. there's that patch on the back that says I did my best. I found that shit at Walgreens and it was at a time in my life where I was going through my divorce and my family, it had exploded Mm -hmm. and my kids were on the struggle bus and I was Mm -hmm. on the struggle bus and everybody was on the struggle bus and I felt so responsible because Mm -hmm. I was, Mm -hmm. I was, there are all the reasons Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. had them and I wanted to live, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to end up dead. I wanted Mm -hmm. to live. So I did the right thing, but it did impact the people around me. And I felt terribly guilty. I Mm -hmm. sat in a Wendy's parking lot one night (laughs) and literally fell apart. I mean, I was just wore out and It was shortly after that, that I found that patch of Walgreens that said I did my best. It was a gift to myself to buy it and to iron Mm -hmm. it on that jacket. Cause I thought whoever's behind me saying bad shit about me, read the patch. (laughs) I did my best. I really did. Mm -hmm. Oh, I had many, many, many moments like that as well in my journey. I get it. It's beautiful. And and really forgiving ourselves for that. It's beautiful. And asking for the forgiveness of others. And what that looks like, which we're going to get to in prayer time, because there's kind of a process for that where we do it the right way and we don't make excuses. Absolutely. Okay. The second thing he says is raging impulsively. It takes most of us many, many years to get to places of healing and self-love. So we abuse our bodies. We are in dysfunctional relationships Mm -hmm. and our lives are train wrecks. We have Mm -hmm. to forgive ourselves for the messy journey we've been on to get to the place we are today. Man, that speaks to me a lot as well. 
Because if uh-huh. we haven't forgiven ourselves, we think that I'm not worthy of something great. This is all I deserve. Exactly. And then the last thing he says is Aviv in the rain. <laughs> this is basically the story about him meeting this beautiful man. He was Russian and they fell in love when they were very young and he did not have the tools. He found the gay men when he was very young, but it was too much of a mess to keep him, to attach to him properly and build a life. Yeah. And there, that was a source of a lot of shame when he really realized what he'd thrown away all those years ago. And all of us, as we are looking to find and keep a gay man, and many of us are at different points in our journey with that, I think most can look back on really poor mistakes we've made relationally yeah. and regret that. We've got to forgive ourselves for that. Yeah. So again, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else? <laughs> Loving yourself is forgiving yourself, yeah. ultimately. So you can show up for your man and keep him over time as a fully whole person on your own. Yeah. I think we're about ready for prayer time. Yeah. What you got for us, Reverend Silky? I can't wait. As we've been talking about this, so often we get into a pattern of just thinking about what has happened to us and not what we've done. Mm -hmm. So this prayer time is focused a little bit on what it is that we've done. And it's called being willing to be wrong. Jane Fonda once said, consistency can be a trap, especially if it leads to being consistently wrong rather than to stopping, admitting your mistake, and changing course. I sort of feel like, are we actually going to talk about this right now? About how when we're mean, we make excuses for our bad behavior rather than say we're sorry, like for real? I'm not sure there's anything worse than listing the reasons why we were mean to another person. Mean is bad, mean is mean, in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) I once had a life coaching client who kept saying, but I didn't try to hurt his feelings. Okay, well, I didn't mean to drop a bowling ball on your foot, but I did. So I'm gonna say I'm sorry. If you've hurt someone, snapped at them, lied to them, were being self-absorbed or hogged all the cookies, right the wrong, make an amend. But vulnerability is hard for me. I once touched a girl's boobies. The results are in, we can do hard things. But I hate being wrong. Aw, neat story. So you'd rather be right than happy? The willingness to be wrong, to own our shortcomings, is a true indicator of emotional maturity, which is the stuff of healthy relationships. It isn't about apologizing. It's about acknowledging our mistakes and moving forward with the intention of creating new behavior patterns. And here's a template, just in case you're in over your head. Here's what you say. I regret that I blank. I can't change what I did, but moving forward, I'm working to not behave this way with you again. I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. The end, not another word, shut it, Sheila. Remember, this is about them. Don't make it about you by explaining yourself, adding background music, or throwing yourself a curtain call. God knows we love our drama. And finally, If your guy doesn't immediately forgive you, it's okay. Give it a minute. He could be waiting to see if you actually mean it by following up with action. And besides, his response doesn't really matter because we're not trying to get off the hook. We are apologizing in order to make things right with ourselves because we were wrong, plain and simple. 
It isn't about how he responds. That's his side of the street. It's about taking responsibility for ourselves by cleaning up our side of the street. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. True story, right? Absolutely. Mercy. Don't give me the reasons. I don't need the reasons why you did. I don't care why you did it. Mm -hmm. Unless yeah. I tell you, I want to know why you did it. I don't care. What I did was wrong. The end. And then shut oh. that trap. Because as soon as you start trying to explain all the reasons, you're making it about you. Mm -hmm. And that apology, that amend is about them. I love that. Beautiful. Now, will you please, pretty please, tell me to live in rivers of self-love. And until next time, live in rivers of self-love. Yes. <laughs> That's it for us today. For more bitchy wisdom, follow How to Find and Keep a Gay Man on Instagram and TikTok at, you guessed it, How to Find and Keep a Gay Man. And until we meet again, get a therapist, don't be an asshole, protect yourself, call your mom, and remember that you deserve a meaningful love. Bye.